Hey, today's conversations with Reverend Dr. Patrick F. Hunt of the Heritage Congregational Church in Berea, Ohio, where we talk about his journey from medical student to pastor, so sort of from healing the, the body to healing the soul. Here's our conversation. Here's Reverend Dr. Patrick F. Hunt. What made you become a clergyman? Oh, Lord have mercy. <clears throat> you know, because that's not something for everybody, because you already know you're going to have to do a lot of work and well, a lot of difficult work. So what, what, the, what? The Lord and I had to wrestle with that one for a long time because <laughs> this, this was not my first thing. I, when I graduated from high school, I went to, to college to be a doctor. I was in pre-med. Oh, wow. Um, enrolled at, at uh, I was at Youngstown State University pre-med, and uh, so that was my goal. Um, and oddly enough, um, I went to an afternoon uh, program uh, that the church was having, and uh, one of the, the preachers was, was talking about how badly churches treat pastors. Huh. And I came away from that. My girlfriend and I, who is now my wife. Outstanding. Uh, um, we went for an afternoon drive and, and wheels were turning. And I turned to her and I said, um, I, I, think, I think God is calling me to, to be in the ministry. And she said, well, what made you come up with that? <laughs> That's a fair question. Uh, and I, I said, from what he was talking about, about how badly ministers are treated, he says, well, what then would prompt you to think that you would, should go into the... I said, I don't know. And so I wrestled like the next week, <clears throat> going back and forth, back and forth. I said, this cannot be what is in store for me. It can't be. And I was working um, at uh, the A&P store at the time. I was a clerk. And I could not concentrate. Could not concentrate. I was huh. short in, the, in, in the, the pans. I was counting things improperly. So it finally came to a Saturday evening. And my, my father's deacon of the church, keep this in mind, but I didn't talk. I wasn't about to talk to him about it. No. So... That Saturday, I said, okay, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to go to Sunday school. Then after Sunday school, I'm walking out the church, and I'm never coming back. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. So I get up Sunday morning. <laughs> Wait, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me get this straight. So you literally told God. I told God. You told God. You know what, God? <laughs> So you told God you weren't coming back to church. That, that was that was the, f the first inclination that one, things weren't going to go my way. <laughs> you 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 do know the the old saying: if you want, you know how to make God laugh. Well, he was laughing a lot. Right. Tell him your plans. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> so I so I I got up with the intention of doing that. <laughs> so I went to Sunday school. Yeah, I'm good. So I get up, 
and I make a beeline for the for the door. I open the doors to the to the vestibule, and I'm walking through. And then the next doors are the exit doors, and between myself and the exit doors, my pastor is standing there. And I said, "Good morning, pastor. I think the Lord's calling me into ministry." He said, "Come on upstairs, son." <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> so, then we went upstairs, and he's talking, and and uh, he's he says, "Well, I I want you to to usher this morning. Yeah, you'll be in the middle aisle, and you'll you're usher this morning." I said, uh, "Okay, that was not my plan." No. And so he gets up, and and service is going on, and I'm standing there, and then he gets up and says. We have an announcement this morning. There's a young man in our church who has said he's going into ministry. Everybody's looking around. Well, who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? And he says, well, he's standing in the middle aisle. And then all of a sudden, all the eyes are, are pointed. And the, the biggest eyes were my parents. Because <laughs> my mother's in the choir. My father's a deacon on the right, front bench. Right, right, right. And then I got the look from him and said, you didn't talk to me about this. No, you did not. And I, purposely so, because I, <laughs> I knew which way that was going to go. And uh, so from there, everything was a whirlwind. It, it Things took off. And training, I, you know, just the whole thing, going to, transferring from, from pre-med to... To the Bible there, College. Right? Uh-huh. I went from Youngstown State to Moody Bible Institute in okay. Chicago. Right. And then to seminary courses. And I said, okay, Lord, slow down. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> so everything just took off. It just took off. And I said, okay. All right. And the other thing was, I said, you know, Lord, um, I don't speak really well. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I hated speech class in, in high school. Yeah, Moses tried that excuse too. Oh, and <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> then the Lord said, "Well, there's your brother over there. Right. We'll talk through him." Yeah. So, uh, and I went from that to absolutely loving it, absolutely loving presentation and loving teaching, and just. Yeah, and that was that was in 1969. Woo! Yeah, yeah you've been I'm at old. this for a minute. Yeah, I'm old. So go You're ahead. You're older than me. I'm old. At You're older you, than me. At least you didn't say old and dirt. No, no, no. Because I, no, I would not do that. I'm, now that I now that I get senior discounts, I don't really. Aren't they great? Yes, yes, yes they are. <laughs> yes, 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 they are. Yes. So that's. You asked the question, that's, and that's, that's, that's how it happened. So, so basically, but you see, you were on this path all along. Oh. See, you just didn't know it at that time. Because, see, you wanted to be a physician in the first place, and you still get to be one. Well, <laughs> see, the, 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 the problem was that goes back even further, because in my childhood, I would tell my mother, uh-huh. I want to be a doctor uh-huh. from the time I was about seven years old. Wow. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. And my mother would say, you're not going to be a doctor. Well, you went to seminary, so you are a doctor, aren't you? I am. <laughs> Just a different kind. <laughs> right. But uh, and she would say, you're not going to be a doctor. She says, God has something else for you. And I said, well, as long as what he has for me is being a doctor, I'm okay. 
And so she said, I'm telling you, the Lord has something else for you. And I said, I don't care. I am going to be a doctor. I'm going to school for, that's what I'm going to be. Well, I do have my doctorate, but it's not MD. Right, right. So, <laughs> so, so, so you're, so you see, so you didn't lie. You weren't wrong. You just didn't know what, yeah. and, and, and it was put into you anyway. So, you know, yeah. that, yeah. that, that you were, that you wanted to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. And now you are. Yeah. yeah. So thanks mama. <laughs> <laughs> She's, mamas are always right anyway. Right. So where'd you grow up? Um, in Pennsylvania, uh, Western PA. I was in, born in Uniontown, PA, which is south of Pittsburgh. Uh, I got relatives all over that area, in the Pittsburgh area, and then um, we moved to uh, north of Pittsburgh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. That's okay. where I graduated from high school, is Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, yeah, so I'm a Western PA, born and bred. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I'm from here, so. Yeah. <laughs> from Northeast Ohio. Well, people from here don't want to say me, hear me say the Pittsburgh area. So. Well, you, 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 see, the people listening to the podcast didn't see my face when you said it. I, I but, did. But you did. I did. I did. <laughs> Pitt, Pitt, Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my brother went to Pitt for grad school, so, yeah. you know, I can't say anything too bad about it. <laughs> yeah. So that's... You have to be from someplace. So. Yes, you do. But <laughs> so. but you didn't. But uh, so and where where did your travels wind up taking you? Oh, I mean, obviously you're here now. But you know, where yeah. did your travelers oh. travels take you? Um, well, I I went to Chicago and that opened up vistas for me. Um, <clears throat> things that I had not experienced before in in going to Moody Bible Institute because you have to do. Uh, Christian work assignments, right? Called practical Christian work assignments. I was signed to the South Side of Chicago in the gang territory. Oh, that's <clears throat> so. I was in churches on the South Side of Chicago. So we actually did ministry to gangs <clears throat> on the South Side. Um, I was at Fourteenth and Laughlin uh, in a small Mennonite church. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I was not Mennonite. I'm Baptist. I was ordained Baptist, but I worked in the Mennonite church, and then I went to 68th and well, Green. Wait a minute. There was a Mennonite church on the south side? The Mennonites were being purposeful in that when the cities began change and there was flight away yeah, right. from the communities, mm-hmm. the Mennonites decided we are not leaving, so... So the churches began assimilating diversity in, oh, wow. into those churches. So it was purposeful. And so I was part of that, and <clears throat> we formed what was called the Chicago Team Ministry. Um, so I became part of that. And so we had four churches that we were over um, in Lawndale, Englewood, and uh, in the Roosevelt area of, of Chicago, 14th and Laughlin. So, and then my, my actual church assignment was 68th and Green Englewood uh, Mennonite Church. Um, and I managed the apartments there, and it was heavy gang territory right around it. Right. Um, so, so we went from there, and then when I graduated from, from 
Bible college. I went out to Davenport, Iowa, <laughs> where I was a church planter, uh-huh. uh, planting churches in the inner city uh-huh. for the Mennonite church. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went from there to, to doing radio with uh, Moody Radio. Uh, I worked for WDLM, <laughs> East Moline, Illinois. <laughs> so did that for for a few years, and then I went into Youth for Christ, and was in Youth for Christ for twenty six years. Wow! Uh, and <clears throat> then we, with Youth for Christ, we moved here to the Cleveland area in in seventy nine, and uh, I got into the schools. I, I was uh, uh, with the with the schools. I was the athletic director at the Bria High School uh-huh. for 17 years um, and did ministry alongside that at People's Community Church. And then um, I left the school to take on my current church assignment, which is at Heritage, and I've been there now for 13 years, so I retired from the schools. So. Gotcha. So, yes, yeah, so I'm old enough to retire. Did. And, and, well, you know, but you never really retire. No. You know, you got too much energy and I just too much changed, to do. Changed you changed just changed jobs. jobs. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You just, you just changed functions <laughs> and just went someplace else. Yeah. <laughs> what's the what's what what do you find to be the best part of you know of of of, of your profession, your calling? Oh, the best part. I you know, I love people. I am. Uh, I'm a people-oriented individual. Um, I love dealing with situations and, and, and people and dealing uh, um, so that I can be effective in counseling and doing many, many different things. I love preaching, absolutely love preaching. I love teaching. So all of those things are, are very, very big part of of who I am, and then I, do, I love research. I love research, and because uh, I do genealogy research. Oh, really? And, oh, oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> did you do your DNA? I did. <laughs> there were some surprises. There, there always is. <laughs> I, I tell folks whenever you do genealogy research, just get ready for surprises. Because <laughs> that's right. If you want to talk about skeletons in the closet, you're going to have a whole lot of bones coming out them closets. Because yeah, I, <laughs> I was t- I was telling uh, J W some uh, <laughs> some some of my stuff, and it's like what? <laughs> yeah. So right, because so. you you know because people don't. Well, first of all, a lot of those stories don't get handed down and. You know, I think sometimes, sometimes people are ashamed of those histories. Yeah. And I think, and I think that, you know, that, I mean, to a large degree, that's a mistake because these choices that those people made still made you. Yeah. And some, some of these choices that they made were made for survival purposes. And, you know, and, and here's the other thing. And also, you know, since since we're both, you know, ethnic black people in America, you know, there's a lot, a, a lot of the, most of us are actually genetically multi-ethnic. And the reason we're multi-ethnic, usually there's not a good story that goes with that. 
Somebody believed in integration somewhere along the way. Right. And usually not voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> or, the, or the other, your, their partner in the endeavor was not a volunteer. Well, I, when I said surprises, since we're on this subject, yeah, okay. um, one of the things surprise for me was when I began to do research and I went to a certain point for a long time back into the 1860s and couldn't get past that and one of the reasons is that you're you get into when you're a black person you get into genealogy you get into the 1860s and beyond you're no longer looking for people you're looking for property you're looking for property and so you you can't go to census reports and no. you can't go to uh, things that are talk about people. You have to look at wills. You have to well, you have to look at inventories, bills of sale. Yes, and I mean that's really you have to look at inventories and bills of yeah. sales yeah. Is, is what it comes down to. So yeah. uh, I Tax was I was I was frustrated for a long and, time yeah. until I realized that you're not looking for people and I. And I went to Sussex County, Virginia, uh-huh. uh, to look up my my ancestors, and I, I was ushered into a room that had all these wills. Um, and uh, the clerk of court uh, brought the these tax duplicates and the, and the wills out, and this huge book he laid out in front of me, and we start looking, and there we are, there we are, there we are. The the uh, the will of Thomas Hunt, the slave owner, the the will of of um, uh, all these different hunts uh, going down the line. Here here are my ancestors listed, and then in a will of uh, 1792, um, my ancestors were freed in in a will, and they were given the tools of their trade they were carpenters right and i'm sitting there with the clerk of courts and he looks at me real strange um and uh he says um i said well what's what's wrong there's something wrong he says we're cousins oh i said says see this right here says you was a white guy wasn't it yeah (laughs) (laughs) Says your ancestor was not just a slave, but a son of the slave owner, and he was given the tools of his trade. He was a carpenter, and he actually built the courthouse that we were sitting in. Oh, wow! In Sussex County, Virginia. I said, "Whoa, lordy, lordy, lordy!" <laughs> so I had somebody else do some research for me because we had lost the hunt, right. and so she did a a paper for me called "Hunting for the Hunts," <laughs> because we went up to um, the slave rebellion um, that happened in Virginia, and so we lost contact. Well, a lot of the the freed slaves had property, but they lost the property during the slave rebellion right. that happened in uh, 1839. Um, was that, that, was, that wasn't Nat Turner, was it? Yes, that's it Nat, was Turner. Nat Turner. That was okay. Nat Turner. And so, um, so I'm pulling all of this stuff out. So then I did a DNA because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to find out because in, in the records there's 
uh, a description of freed slaves. They had to register every year. Well, so yeah. The registry of free Negroes. Um, and in that, my ancestors are listed, but you have to, they list them by height, weight, description of skin color, um, and whether and where they had scars and all kinds of things. So the total description. And I'm looking at this and says, all these yellow folk. So, well, where did the yellow come from? So, so I did my DNA, and it came back and it said um, English and Danish. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. There's African American in here someplace. Well, yeah, there were some. So, 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 but it didn't trace it through no. the ancestry of the females. It did it through the males. So there was English and Danish. And I said, well, the hunts. So I did trace the hunts back to 1614 in England. William Hunt um, came um, to the colonies in... Uh, 16, uh, 1629. Oh, wow. And so, and just recently, just three weeks ago, I found out we were connected with Robert Hunt, who was the first preacher in the Jamestown colonies. Uh. So, so I uncovered that. And so we went back to uh, 1568 when Robert Hunt was in England, and so I said, "Wow, uh, who knew?" See, who knew? so 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 this uh, clergy thing was in the blood. Oh, I I found so many <laughs> preachers. I found so many preachers, and uh, things that that kept jumping off, like names. Uh huh. Um, like the name Thomas was throughout the, the genealogy line. My, my father's name is William Thomas. So I traced William and I traced Thomas as, as the first name. And it goes all the way back into the 1500s. Um, my son's name was, was William. I said, you were named William for a reason. Nobody knew what the reason was. But what I found out, there was a Billy Hunt in the in 1840s who was also in the Navy, and my son was in the Navy, I said, so there's a tie there. There's a tie there. There's, there's, a, there's more there than you think is there. <laughs> What'd your son do in the Navy? Uh, he, he was on an aircraft carrier in the USS America, and he was, okay. he was doing um, computer, um, computer analysis and com right. writing computer programs for, uh, for uh, ballistics and so forth on the, on the aircraft carrier. Right. So... Yeah. Oh, cool. I was also in the Navy, except you know, I'm sure that I was in there much before your son, because <laughs> I'm like only ten years younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah. But I was, but I was not on an air. I was on the exact opposite of an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Which, which is a submarine. That's 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 a, a guy that I knew was a. Submariner. Yeah. He said there's only two ships in the, in That's the right. Navy. So submarines, submarines and, and targets. targets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We, we don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> I was, the boat I was on was called the Sea Devil. 
Yeah. Which my stepmother used, my stepmother was an evangelical. She belonged to, you know, like uh, the uh, Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, uh, and she's from Vir- coastal Virginia. So okay. my dad's from there. And so uh, when he retired, he, in fact, he, that's his third wife, but you know, that's, that's our stepmother. That's who we call, that's what we call her. Okay. Because, you know, that's the one who was good, was good and cool with us and all that stuff, but uh, she's passed away. But, uh, yeah. But when when she you know she goes, and what's the name of you man? Because she always used to say I was devilish, so that's that 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 ship you on is the perfect ship for you. <laughs> the sea devil, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I always tell my people in the church. I said I I don't believe in coincidences. I think there's a, there's God appointments. So. <laughs> well, you certainly prove that, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, I want to be a doctor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can be a doctor. You can be this kind of doctor. Yeah, yeah, not the kind you said. You, yeah, 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 you, you you'll go. get there. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I won't let you down. Thanks a lot, Lord. <laughs> Come on, you, you don't, but and you don't miss being a physician. Oh, no, 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 no. See? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. In fact, once you, once you started on that path, outside of maybe a couple of second guesses early on, nothing, n- no other ones, right? No, no, I I know ex- exactly, you know, why the Lord called me. I know that uh, he was, he had sent me to the right places. I ended up the right places to get the right kind of training, even not just, not just the formal training, but things that informally come along with things yeah, that like you're doing. Yeah, like the field doing. training, right, yeah. Yeah, um, in dealing with... Uh, uh, when I was first in, in Iowa, I dealt with uh, juvenile delinquents, uh, adjudicated delinquents uh-huh. uh, from Scott County Courthouse and and dealing with uh, law enforcement and dealing with judges. And so I learned how to deal with all of these kinds of people uh, from so many different backgrounds. Um, and so those are those are things that, I would not have said that I'm going to do, but they are things that came along with things that I was already doing, and I could see how God was moving me all along. Just right. So I could see it in panoramic view. Just <laughs> so, wow. So, okay. So there so, is method. <laughs> right. Right. So so so, uh, let's see. I won't say when you made your decision. I'll. Cause, cause that's not quite accurate. It's, it's more like when you realize what you were supposed to do. Yeah, I didn't make that decision. <laughs> when, you, when you realized what you were supposed to do. Yeah, God moved it. Right. Yeah, so how did how did your now wife? Because you know, because you, you guys were still dating at that time. Yes. Yes. So yes. so so how did you? Because you were going to be a physician. You were going to be a physician. You were going to be a physician. She yeah. was dating a dude who was going to be a physician, and you come back and you go, "No, I'm not. I'm I'm." I'm going to be a different kind of physician. I'm going to yeah. heal souls rather than heal bodies. So yeah, well, she was she was really good with it. She was very supportive, extremely supportive. Um, her parents said to her, "Do you understand?" Because there were some preachers had reputations. Uh, yes, back then, yeah, unfortunately, reputations they deserve. Yeah, and so. Um, her her parents were 
saying this is this is one person you don't want to marry because things are not going to go well with you and in a in a marriage uh, you know because you're going to end up all by yourself and <clears throat> even even uh, when when I went off to to Bible school um, they had put away money so that she could come home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on the one hand, good for them, but on the other hand, well, I mean, but, but if you see, this is what's funny about that. If you had become a physician, I mean, what when you were when you were set on being being a being an MD, yeah. what what kind of what kind of field did you think you wanted to go into? I didn't really choose. I had I, being in in college, there was a number of different areas that I was looking at so pediatrician uh, okay all kinds of things like okay. so i i really didn't hadn't chosen yet well yeah, well, yeah well clearly we know we now know you weren't supposed to yeah so 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 that's that, that that's off to the side but still her parents i mean what kind of hours did you think that they think you were going to have when they knew when they thought you were going to be a, a physician well we all know the, the, those pre- guys don't work nine to five well we all know <laughs> preachers only work one day a week <laughs> that's that, and that, yeah, that's right. It's an easy gig. Yeah, it's only a few hours on a Sunday. Other than that, you, you're not you're not working. So no. yeah, you don't go visit sick people in the hospital yeah. at home. You don't. Yeah, uh, you, you don't. You know, like go to people's homes and you know you don't. Yeah, you right. All you do is show up for like a couple couple of hours on a Sunday. You don't prepare sermons. You just. Yeah. You just have this book that has them already in there. So yeah. all you had to do is show up, put it on the lectern, and just go. Yeah. And, you know, count the money. That's that's really all you do. And, and you get the deacons to do that. So, I mean, you don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, you show up and give a sermon, and uh, and you don't really have to prepare for that. because Someone once told me, he said, if you want to preach for an, an hour, do a, about 30 minutes of preparation. If you want to preach for 15 to 20 minutes, then you have to do six days of preparation. (laughs) (laughs) But mine, um, I actually, I I have uh, my sermons, I I ask the Lord to to, uh, allow me to have sermons. I plan them out for a month or so, and then I do preparation all along the way. I start collecting things for each of those sermons and put them in, uh, plug them in where I need them. So when I come to the point of actually writing it, then uh-huh. I, I have all my resources. So right. that's, but. And you don't fully write it out. You put your bullet points so that you can make sure that you. I have you never fully say. written out. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's the way to do a lecture anyway. Oh. You know, you, you know what you, you know what you need to talk about. How do you select a, 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 a topic for your, Sometimes it's a series. If uh, right, like, like right now, I'm doing a series in the Book of Ephesians. Okay. Um, and you allow the book to to take you because you don't read into the book. You you take from the the book what it's saying, and then um, you find out there's method to what God has written and why He's written things in particular books. Because each of those books, the letters particular are written for a particular reason that that paul wrote for instance yeah and and, right and especially in paul's 
I mean, in the epistles, they're all letters to yeah. different congregations yeah. anyway. And that's that's true even if you go into the Old Testament books. You, there's purpose and direction for each of the books that are, that are written and why God has placed this in front of you and, and how you can extrapolate the, the things that he has put there and put them in context not only with... Um, what's written in in immediately surrounding verses, but in context of the culture and the life that was being lived at the time. Well, and even so, so and even how you can, I mean, because, you know, people have always been people. Yeah. You know, um, um, you know, you may have to couch, you know, if you're uh, delivering a message to people who speak Japanese, of course, you need to, say it in Japanese and, but, but people are people, you know, there are certain themes, you know, for example, like in, in, in Ephesians, what are like some of the over, over, overarching themes that you find in Ephesians? Well, you, since you're working on that, it's fresh in your head. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, this, the six chapters of, of Ephesians, the first three chapters are preparation for the last three chapters. Because the first chapter is it's telling you who you are and what you have, the gifts that God has given. It says he has given you all these things in the heavenly places, and this is who you are. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So this is what you have. In the second chapter, he says, and there is a mystery of, of how people work with people that are not on the same page because the Jews and Gentiles are now coming into the church. You couldn't have two people, two sets of people who were more different (laughs) theologically and otherwise. And so uh, in the second chapter, he says, this is the mystery of how the, the Gentiles and Jews were brought together. And then in chapter three, he says, um, and this is what you have because of that. He says, our father corporately our father from whom all things are named right. have given you love which you don't understand but which you can fully experience and at the end of that chapter he says and you can have exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think now here's how you live in the light of it chapter four is how people are supposed to get along how you walk the walk and chapter five is is dealing with husband and wife relationships and how you walk. And then chapter six is saying, okay, now you have all these things. So how do you think you're going to do all that? Put on the full armor of God. Because you're not going to because your battle is not against people, it's against flesh and blood. So you have to remember who you're really battling. So if you put all of those things together, then you have the book of Ephesians. So, see, and that's because every one of those things is something that's, see, those, those are all universal themes. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not, and by the way, I'm not saying this for your benefit just because people are listening to this, <laughs> you know, just, you know putting Oh, I forgot. People are listening. People are listening <laughs> to this, right? So, <clears throat> but I mean, so every one of those is universal themes. We've all been, get, we all have everything we need to yeah. do everything we need to do. Yeah. We all have to work with people who don't agree with us. So we have to figure out how to sort that out. And our battle is not, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, our battle is not 
actually with this other person. It's it's actually, you know, it's it. The the struggle is actually an internal struggle. Right. Everything else, you know, it, it everything else is just mm-hmm. noise. Yeah. The real struggle is the internal struggle. How do how do I accept this other person as a real person? Because if I do that, then I will accept and love them with the love and 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 respect that they deserve. And if the you know and w- without regard to them doing exactly the same thing for me, yeah. At least I will you know I can be the change that I want to see. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and you're not going to do any of that spiritually speaking. Your spiritual strength is coming when you follow the Lord's will and you, it says, put on the full armor. You, you put it all on. And, and then you understand that you can, you can fight this spiritual battle because you have the full armor of God. I, I'm preaching now, aren't I? It's, it's all good. All right. You, you <laughs> see, asked. See, you know, well, you know, I, I asked and I gave you a microphone. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> or, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, maybe I didn't know. Maybe I not. I don't know. Maybe this was just something I was supposed to do that, you know, I didn't consult, but, you know, it, 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 it came on me to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and, for, he, and here we are <laughs> for for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> the invisible hand. <laughs> uh, yes. So yeah, that's 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 what gets me excited about preaching and teaching is that it's it's not just disjointed things. It's right. It's God who is purposeful and direct in our lives and he did that with the scriptures and he's doing that with our lives as well. So uh, that, that gets me buzzed. That, that gets me excited. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you know, you, because, you know, well, your spiritual experience is a living, breathing thing for you. It excites you. You get much fulfilled just from it alone. You get a lot of fulfillment and, you know, it's like the difference between, you know, and, and it seemed, you know, because I've been looking at this a lot lately, and not just for spiritual things, but, you know, a lot of things that goes on in the world, because there's a difference between evangelizing and proselytizing, you know. Huge difference. Because basically, the proselytizing, you know, the, 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 the evangelist, the, the true evangelist pulls you, <clears throat> and the proselytizer pushes you. You know, this is what you need. This is what this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And you know, instead of just you know, you know, it's it's like because the the bracelet is the perfect thing. The the WWJD bracelet. Yeah. What would Jesus do? Because what would Jesus do? Yeah. And you know, you know, sometimes it requires preaching and teaching, and sometimes it just requires doing. And the doing isn't, you know, getting in people's faces. The doing is. You know, the doing is inviting people to find out what your mystery is, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Cause, absolutely. Because, you know, when they see you, well, why does that guy got that dumb grin on his face all the time? Why does he, you know, he and his wife, when they argue, they, they resolve them. Why, what's his secret? Yeah. And, you know, and it's not a secret. <laughs> well, that's, that's why in the scriptures it, it says to... That um, Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw men to myself. He didn't say push. 
he said he will draw people right. to himself. So there is there's a, um, a a factor where he says, "Here's who I am. Here's what you can have in me, um, and it's it's yours." He doesn't he doesn't compel anyone, but he draws them to himself. And I, I always like that because it, it's, it's who God is. You know, he says, I'm real. I'm here. Uh, and if, if you want it, it's there. You don't have to. Nobody, nobody's forcing anybody, but it's there. And, and there are all of these blessings and benefits if you um, decide that you, you want to partake. You know, you could choose otherwise. You certainly can. Right. You know, know, it sort of reminds me of, this will seem off topic at first, but I'll I'll get, and and it won't take long, but I'll get there, I promise. It's like, have you ever seen the movie Auntie Mame? No, I haven't. Okay, Rosalind Russell, it came out in the the, uh, early 50s, I think. But uh, Rosalind Russell plays Auntie Mame. Now, of course, everybody knows the song Mame. Yeah, I know that song. Right. So, and and uh, it's it's about this kid. Uh, his name. Oh, geez, I can't think of his first name. But because Mame Dennis was his aunt, he gets orphaned, and he gets shipped off to live with his crazy aunt. And his aunt is bigger than life, all the way out there, just totally. But she completely loves the boy. And, you know, it's about his life with his Auntie Mame and about how all the, you know, like she's like bohemian and all that. You know, she would be she would have been a hippie in the 60s. But, you know, this but the the story takes place from like the 20s to the to the 40s. And hmm. and, uh, you know, she's you know, she, she's just like out there and just but she totally loves him. She she loves everybody. She And her, one of the things she says is life is a smorgasbord. And most people are too dumb to to partake, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's right there. Yeah. It's right there for you. And you miss out on it. And you miss out because you want to yeah. be, you know, yeah. you want to be a jerk sitting over in the corner doing nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but it's also a, good, a really good movie. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh, you're... Um, and as I said, you know, this that would be the difference between evangelizing and proselytizing is yeah. is just drawing people. And uh, so, uh, um, when you um, and when you bring someone else along into the service, you know, um, what are the what what are some of the things you emphasize with your with your uh, apprentices? you know, with the people you've been charged with uh, bringing into service? Um, well, the, you, uh, do you mean the... The uh, clergy. The, you know, other clergy. Yeah, okay. Like like junior clergymen and, you know, what are some of the some of the types of advice that you like to give your charges? Well, the, the important thing for for people to understand is that you're not forcing ministry on, on, on people. It's... it's it's simply doing ministry like Jesus did ministry. It's a ministry of presence. If you want people to be 
to respond to you, you need to be present. You need to be there. So um, you, you are with people in their happy times. You are with people in their sad times. You have to be there. Um, one of the things that I've <clears throat> recently started doing within the last three years is <clears throat> the chaplain for the police department. Well, how, how does a, a police officer accept a clergyman um, who's coming in and being intrusive in their lives? Right. Um, well, you have to be there. So I've decided, okay, in order for me to be effective, I need to be in their cars with them when they are doing what they do. I need to hear what their life is and what their stories are um, and, and respond in, in ways that are meaningful for them because then you get to know people when you place yourself in a way that says, I, I'm there, I'm right. there. So it's a ministry of presence. Um, and it's, it's not always about the words because people always get worried about, well, what do I say? You know, especially in difficult times. So it's not about what you say. It's being there. It's a ministry of presence. Um, so that's extremely important. You cannot be a, a, a minister, a pastor, without being there in the lives of parishioners. You have to be there. And that takes time. Right. Well, yeah. you know, and, and an obvious commitment. It's, well, it's yeah. like counseling anyone, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you're any, any, sort of a, any sort of a good teacher, any sort of a, like, shoot, any sort of a good friend yeah. is a person who's, who's present when it's, certainly when it's necessary. But, but when you are, I mean, when you, even when you occupy a room, I mean, it's like you and your wife, for example. You might be in the house. You might both be doing completely different things in the house, um, but you're. But you feel her presence, and she feels your presence. Absolutely. Even if you're not actually actively relating to each other in that moment, like you could be reading the paper, and she could be, I don't know, straightening up the kitchen or something like that. But still, you have that. The connection is still there, and the both of you still feel it, even though you're not, yeah. you know. I mean, the, the words obviously have to be there, and the words need to be correct. They need to be theologically sound and, and all of that. And you, you have to be able to, to look at the Scriptures and study the Scriptures and be able to extrapolate what it is God is saying. But the thing that Jesus did was in, in teaching his disciples— he had them with him as he was doing all of these things. <laughs> yes, he did, as yeah. he was preaching to other people, as he was healing, um, in all kinds of situations, they were there. And how 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 did how did Paul spread the gospel around um, Asia and, and and in Greece and in Rome? He physically was there with them. Right. 
<clears throat> how did the how did the gospel get around the world? You had to have people who were going to be in 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 the presence of people who needed the message. So you had to demonstrate the message by your presence. Okay? That that comes along with the preaching. That comes along with the preaching. But people are going to understand your presence a lot longer, a lot long before they understand your words. <laughs> right. So, so, and um, so that's that's one of the things that that you know I say to people if if I'm bringing discipling people that you know is uh, that's principally important. So. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Do I really have anything else? Well, the, <laughs> the interesting thing that was that was not the reason I was coming <laughs> so, originally. So, so. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. And now I do want to ask you, because uh, and, and and just the name of your church, just again, Heritage Congregational Church. And what yeah. are some of the things going on at the church right now? Well. Um, the uh, one of the, the things that, that's happening is uh, we're preparing for this women's ret- retreat, which is going to be dealing with relationships, which is exactly what I've been talking about on how church folk deal with church folk. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's quite the dysfunctional family, isn't it? <laughs> well, because you're people. Right. Your people. Someone once said, and when I when I say someone once said, it means that I don't know who said it. Um, but someone once said, if you're looking for the per- perfect church, don't join it, because as soon as you join it, it is no longer perfect. Because you're there. You're there. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, if anyone's looking for the perfect church, uh, you're not going to find it. But churches have personalities and and. There's there's movement in 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 churches and the things that you like, things that you don't like, and relationships that are good and relationships that are not so good. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. You know, that's again, that's that's just because of a group of people. It's a there's a group of people. Yeah. You know, uh, like well, one of my things that I'm just fascinated by recently is you know. With the political rancor that goes on, yes, you know, you know, people just forget that these are just people who are just as scared and just as as you are. They're just expressing it in a different way, yeah. or or they're using a a a, a different. I, I, or they're just expressing it in a different way. They're not any. Many of them aren't any better or they aren't any worse than you. They just, you know, and so many people get so much misinformation that they respond to things when they don't know what's really going on sometimes. And, and, you know, but it goes back to, and, and oddly enough, that goes back to your points about, well, your current, you know, uh, uh, sermon series with Ephesians, because it starts off. Every, you know, everything everybody needs to make a good decision, everything everybody needs to, to do the right thing is out there. You know, it's, it's there. And, but, but many of us think that the struggle is outside of us when the struggle is really inside of us. That's right. And it's, right. And it's, always, and it's always been that way. It'll always be that way. 
And so when we talk about some of these uh, some of these physical things like racism or sexism or and what, what does it really come down to? It comes down to forgetting the golden rule, which is easy to cite, but it's hard to do because of that internal struggle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we, we had a, a graphic example of that in the in the last week. <clears throat> if you followed the, the trial of Amber Geiger, the right. Dallas police officer. Uh huh. Killed both of them, John. Uh-huh. Um, and um, all of the reasons that were given for, for doing this, the bottom line is she killed someone she wasn't supposed to. She wasn't supposed to be in that place. She wasn't supposed to. Right. There was just so many things. And you can respond to that in so many different ways. Well, here's the youngest brother of both of them, John, Brant John, who gets in the 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 impact statement the victim impact statement and he says to her i love you and i forgive you now what did it take for him to do that here's his brother who is who is dead he is he is gone right and, and he shouldn't be and he shouldn't yeah. be it was illegal it was it was improper it was all of the ms that you want to say but here he is, and he is taking command. He, he took command of that courtroom and said, I forgive you. Now, forgiveness is, it empowers you, the person who right. does the forgiving. You know, it doesn't say that the, the victim, the, the other person well, is raw, is right. Yeah. And it's not absolving them of no. guilt. It's simply saying, I have the power to take this into my own hands, and I make a choice. God forgave me. I therefore forgive you. And then he he gets permission to hug her. And the impact of that is it caused the judge to get down off of the, the stand and to, right. to give Amber Geiger a Bible and then to point her and and say to her, uh, God loves you. And Amber, in, we found out the words that were spoken was, Amber said to her, do you think that my life has meaning now? And the judge said to her, I absolutely think your life can have meaning. You're going to, you're going to prison, but your life can still have meaning. And then the, the, the district attorney says, um, this young man taught us all how how we should live. He becomes the teacher. Well, he took command of that courtroom. An 18-year-old man took command of this courtroom. How? Simply doing what God said for us to do, to forgive. Right. And I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, my mind was blown. I said, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that the way it's supposed to go? I said, wow, my Goodness, the power that this 18-year-old man has is just because he impacted the entire world. Right. And that, he didn't start out doing that, but that's what he did. And, of course, the interesting thing is the response to that. Yeah. Because how many people have had a negative response to... As you correctly point out, the one thing, what would Jesus do? The one thing 
that if you're if you're practicing well you know what because the forgiveness and the and and the, and the uh, 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 do unto others this is almost a universal concept right. it, it's it, it goes beyond religion it goes beyond specific religions yeah it's found in all of the major faiths around the world don't you know if it's if it's uh, if it's if it's abhorrent to you don't do it to someone else you know it you know all of the and you know for because forgiving you know forgiving a person for their transgressions against you it, it releases you yes. it doesn't release they're they're going to feel whatever guilt they're going to feel yeah but you won't be part of it yeah yeah you're you're saying you have no control of my life yeah you're what you the act that you did you did it it's you did it it's but you are not going to control how right. I feel or what I'm going to do. Right. I make that choice. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that the victim's <clears throat> life has no value. It doesn't mean that you, that uh, you don't uh, pay the consequences for your negative actions that you've done to me or my family or to, to whatever. It just means that I am not going to be owned by it. That's right. That's exactly you know. right. And a lot of people just miss, don't get that. And that's that's such a hard thing. It's such a hard thing, but it's it's part and parcel of what Scripture is is saying to us is the, the Lord God released us in in this in this in the Scriptures through the life of of Christ and demonstration. But even before that, He was releasing us in the Old Testament all along. People make the mistake of thinking. The Old Testament is about judgment, and the New Testament is well. about grace. I said, "No, they're part. They're married. They're part and parcel of the same thing. This this God of grace still existed, you know, with Abraham and right. and, and Moses, and you know, on my, and on and on. My, it's the same my, God." Yeah, my 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 contention is that uh, because people don't, I my guess is that. Uh, Everybody that's a most people that are Christians have at least have ha, have or have had in their possession a copy of the Bible at one time or another. Very few of them, and even practicing, even if they're practicing, they may crack that thing open and study a verse or or a set of verses when they go to Bible study on Wednesday night. But when it comes down to, I mean, how many people have actually read the thing? Yeah, just just sat down and read it. You know, just a, you know, just bite a bite at a time because it's a pretty big it's a pretty big story. <laughs> but you know, how many people how many people have read the thing? Yeah. You know, just just from the just as a just out of curiosity, yeah. e- even if for no other reason, just out of curiosity, just because you know the, the the depictions of Moses that I find in the Bible is not Charlton Heston. <laughs> Right, well, that's for sure. It's it's not let my people go. I mean, because as I recall the story, the whole time he's he's like angry at God the entire time he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He goes, you want me to do what? I'm not doing that. You're and 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 God comes back to him and says, yeah, you are. This is exactly what you're going to do. Well, if I do that, then they're really going to they're going to kill us all. Hey, trust me. Do what I tell you to do. Be about it, and let's go. Yeah. And, you know, and he has to be dragged along almost every step of the way until, you know, until they're like making the exodus. And he's, and he's like, 
okay. I yeah, all right. I yeah. you and me. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. The, the light comes on for me every once in a while. So. <laughs> all right. All right. So, I got it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So yeah, there we are. There we are. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so let's you know. So once again, and once again, it's giving. It's not even giving into. It's accepting the the internal struggle. Yeah. Taking on, you know, as 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 Paul puts it, putting on the armor, and fighting. You. You know, fighting the you know because us and them. This is, that's who we, you know, we, this, that's who we are. We're gonna, you know, we'll figure out things, I'll figure out things wrong with you and I'll figure out ways to dislike you. It's real easy to do. I can be real negative all day long if that's what I want to do because it's real easy. Yeah. Going the other way because it's against our nature, but it's what we're called to do. I mean, we wouldn't need the we wouldn't need somebody to tell us the golden rule if we were just naturally going to do it. Yeah, we wouldn't need all these laws about all these other things if that's what we were just naturally. If if we weren't going to murder anybody, why would we need a law against murder? Yeah, well, because nobody would do it. Because well, the mat, the natural man is is bent toward uh, um, revenge. The natural man is bent toward getting back and repaying. Uh, so. The, the scripture is actually asking us to do the what's supernatural. Right. Um, it is a spirit thing. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do all of these things. Um, so it all it all comes to the point of making sense simply because God understands who you are. Wow! Surprise. Of course, He knows who you are. He made you. <laughs> He put, yeah. he puts, he puts things in your head. He, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's, but see, but that's also why, you know, and this is why people feel guilty and feel bad and feel angry. And when they do negative things, yeah. so. because it's been put in your head not to do negative things, but it's your nature to do them. And you realize you're falling short. And so you get angry. You may externalize it and get angry at somebody else. Why did, why did you make me do? Yeah, no, they didn't make you do jack, but buddy. <laughs> you, you know, that's, that's, that's what you decided to do. And now you feel bad about it. Now you don't want to admit you feel bad about it because you're forgetting that internal struggle we all have to go yeah. through. Hallelujah. We're there. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, see, I, I didn't get called, so, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. We're we're blessed that way. Yeah. yeah. And anything else going on at the church? Well, not right now. I, those are the important things. Those are the important things. You know, there there are things going around on all the time. Well, of course. Yeah, but you know, we're we're preparing ourselves for the for the season. Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, for advent and all that. Yeah. So, we're we get excited about those those things, but it's simply God giving us the message in in different ways. So, yeah. Well, cool. In that yeah. case, I'm going to wrap it up. Yes. But uh, you know, uh, and this has been my conversation with uh, Pastor Pat Hunt, and uh, and uh, so uh, Pastor Hunt, you know, it's it's been a real pleasure, and uh, uh, you know, and uh, and tell everybody where where your church is. Uh, it, it's Heritage Congregational Church, 485 West Street in Berea. Um, 
as one of the council people I know on West Street, it's the first church outside of Berea because we are literally on the borderline between Berea and Olmstead Falls. Huh. The church is split. The border goes through our church. So we are, we are in Berea. We are outside of Berea. So we're at 485 West Street. <laughs> we, sounds like a place you ought to check out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Thank Blessings you. to you. Thank you. <laughs>